Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So, yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. John, you are not going to believe this. You know that DD Sabotage is always in effect. Madame Zoomlight died, so I... <laughs> I got a bedside lamps. Wait, I had to do two because it's so dark in my house. Look at this. Didi, what is happening with the <laughs> makeshift zoom lights? <laughs> that is so funny. But they're they're but they're you know what? They're hitting you the right way because I'm noticing this bling that you have um on you that I have never seen before. And for everyone listening. I know every piece of jewelry that Didi has because I've probably worn every piece of jewelry Didi has. Um, and she has these really partic- two particular pieces that have caught my eye. A yes. little pearl moment and a little gold moment with a little line on it, which I, I need to bring them to LA when you come in a few weeks. John, I'm, I'm not dealing with you because- Yes, I, you are. The only reason you want me to come visit is so you can raid my closets, my 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 wardrobe, my my yes. my package. Yes, correct. That is one thousand percent true, and I'm not denying that at all. I am being very <laughs> selfish. It's all about me. I need a, a sequin top while you're at it. Add it to the list. Um, probably a good turtleneck <laughs> and some jewelry, and I think we'll be good to go. Shut up. <laughs> I need a blue, I need a blue turtleneck actually, real tall. Um so if you do have a navy blue turtleneck, please let me know. Cuz I can't find one and it's really stressing me out. Wait, let me just express folks. This man only really is my friend cuz he has access to all my vintage finds, like my fabulous new Anne Klein necklace. Um by the way, John, this is Vivian Westwood, not Vintage, but I had to get a shout out to Vivian Westwood, rest in peace. Well, so those are the only two pieces that they had when you went to buy those two, or were there multiple ones? Because I feel like there were multiple. I feel like there are multiples. It was a quick text message to me say, "Hey, John, I saw this amazing <laughs> necklace. Do you want one? How much is it? Please, yes, please. done. What would be helpful, John, John, Jonathan, Brian, Samuel, Gist?" Is if you just cop to the fact that like when you do steal from me, borrow, that you at least give me a credit on Instagram or shout me out when people stop you and say, oh my God, I love this, that, and the other. But no, I get no credit. None. Well, you know, that's fair. And I think we can look towards that in the and maybe the near future at some point. I can definitely mm-hmm. do that. But if you meet my, again, my my requests on what I need <laughs> for the next few weeks, maybe we can figure something out. I can, I'll give you a shout out. Well, but typically, <laughs> you know, in the, in the context of who wore it better and, and bitch stole my look, I'm always, <laughs> I'm the, I'm the winner. And, you know, your family has confirmed that friends have confirmed that my Instagram followers have confirmed that. And yes, it is, know. it is what it is. It's okay. You know, this friendly competition ain't turning out so friendly, but we will see this award season uh, or the next events we go to if our little healthy competition, who wins what, okay? Yes. And, you know, speaking of fashion, I am really excited about our guest today because she, every time we see her, she is 
she is in a she's in a heel. She's in a flowy something. Her hair and makeup is always on point. She just looks stunning, completely stunning all the time. But the great thing about her is she, not only is she beautiful on the outside, but she's so beautiful on the inside. We are psyched for Miss KJ Rose on this episode. <laughs> there she is. Oh, pure Thank sunshine and light. Yes, Miss KJ Rose is with us. Hi guys. How are you? You look you look so great. <laughs> Thank you. I feel I think when Always. you start from the outside, then you start the, the inside starts to catch up. So in Amen. that Amen. So we got to give you a little bit of an intro, although I feel like everyone knows who you are. Seriously, I get all the time. Do you know KJ? Of course you know KJ. Um, KJ is the author of the book, The Rose Effect, Eight Steps to, is that like an eight count dance step? Eight Steps to Delivering the Performance of Your Life. She's a singer, an actress, and performance and creative director in television film, music, who travels the world conducting workshops and developing talent with musicians like the Kid Leroy, the Lumineers, and of course, the Lil Nas X, plus some really amazing corporate clients such as Uber Eats, Amazon, Google, CAA, ABFF, and that's just to name a few. Not to mention, she is an amazing performer, and have performed with a few folks that you probably already heard of, or maybe not. Let's see, Janet Jackson, Britney Spears, Justin Timberlake, P. Diddy, and that's just a few. So welcome, 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 KJ, KJ. Hey, KJ, KJ. What an I will, <laughs> I will say, my KJ, yes. you are, you bring the energy all the time. You always have this beautiful smile on your face. And it's just like, I'm guaranteed to have a good time every time I see you, okay. which is not enough. I need like a weekly moment with you every week because you're just, you're so amazing. And my first question for you okay. on, on this lovely podcast, because I'm so curious to know, who who was young KJ? Were you just this energetic and like a burst of energy at like five years old? Like, tell us about who that young black girl was and what was she doing at that time? Yes. So it's funny because I attribute my mom for being kind of my first hype coach although she would never agree, but she was a cheerleading coach um, for like, I want to say eighth grade, no, first through eighth grade. And we, she made sure that we didn't go to the same school where she taught and coached. Um, but I was immersed in that world very early. So I became like the youngest member of the cheerleading team in kindergarten. I was like the mascot at my own school. And then before I knew it, I was on the pom-pom team. And so I always had this love and this effervescence from music um, and from movement. However, it only worked in ensembles. It never worked as a solo artist or a solo speaker. I was great performing, you know, and dancing by myself, but when it came to speaking, it just wasn't my, I was not the orator. I was like, I don't wanna do this. And so I had this level of stage fright um, which combated kind of this other part of me that loved to just entertain. 
KJ, I knew we had a lot in common. <laughs> I was a cheerleader. I wanted to do the dance team, but I never did. But as a cheerleader, we did, we definitely did dance routines and those were like my favorite. Yeah. Now I can't sing a lick <laughs> and I have, no, <laughs> I can't sing my way out of a wet paper bag as my family will say. Okay. Uh, but maybe after a performance coaching with you, a sister can oh, get a tune, get on a little cabaret show. I got you. Um, but what I love about what you just said is you felt like you were organically a great speaker and orator, yet so much of your business now is about that. So yeah. what flipped the switch? How did you become a better speaker and working with, because, and it's, and it's two different kinds of speaking, mm -hmm. isn't it? You're doing creators and business folks or corporations. Yeah. I think that um, first I realized that this thing existed. Um, my body would have this adverse reaction to performing, um, but I had this love of performance. And so what I, I think I was looking at, you know, artists at that time, like I'm about to date myself a little bit, but you know, Anita Baker and Tony Braxton. And I'm like, yo, they just, it seems like it comes from like the top of the dome in terms of like ad-libbing and all of that. And what I realized was that repetition was going to be my greatest kind of antidote, right? Because um, the more I could see myself in the, in the space that I desired to be, the more I could go into the studio and look in the mirror and say the things and sing the things, the more I had this tangible and visual um, kind of roadmap that I could access anytime I needed it. So it became repetition. The more wins I could put in the tank, um, the more uh, real this this desire became. And so, yeah, it was it was that it was persistence. It was tapping into those other kind of superpowers. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. Bada -ba -ba -ba. At participating McDonald's. Powers that I had until the rest of the stage presence caught up. So my other superpowers were tenacity, um, persistence. Um, like you might sing me under the table, but you ain't gonna work, you ain't gonna outwork me, you know? And so most of my jobs I often say did not come from someone thinking that, you know, number one, that they were looking for me or number two, um, that, you know, I was the best for the job. Most times it was, how do we get her off the call sheet? You know, and so, or I show up and they're like, man, I mean, how does she get in here? Just let her go for it. And so it was like my persistence. It was my showing up that got me most of my, my job opportunities as a background singer during that time. Well, tell us a little, tell us a story about one of those times you like, I'm going to show up. And yeah. See um, well, I would say my very first professional um, gig as a background singer came um, from getting a call at about 11 p.m. or maybe midnight. I'm living in Brooklyn. Um, and they said, hey, uh, the producer, Tony Dofat, is looking um, for a singer. He wants you to come in. That's all I knew. And I, I also knew that I had this nine to five job. So the call didn't come while I was at work. So, you know, much can happen if you just show up. And I get there having no idea who the artist was, and it was Heavy D. 
And so now I'm like trying to compose myself. I'm like, okay, this is real. This is happening. And I knew that they probably were not looking for me. God knew they were looking for me, but but they were probably not, you know, looking for me at the time. But once I sang, then they started to reconsider if the song would become a single on the album, Waterbed Hev. And I ended up, you know, hearing my song while driving down the West Side Highway, a song called Big Daddy. You can be my big daddy. OMG, I did not know that. Yeah. And I love that song. I gotta go play that now. Am I like, that's my friend? <laughs> like, that's amazing. And so that led to other um, uh, background gigs. Uh, Derek Angeletti called me to the studio. And at this point, I'm working at Pfizer Pharmaceuticals by day. By lunch, I'm sleeping in the bathroom. By night, I'm in the studio or some open mic with Carl Thomas pushing me on stage with Ron. Um, uh, from uh, Chaz and Wilson's and from the Blue Angel. And so I remember like having on probably like my business casual outfit and walking across, I mean, take, taking the shuttle from 42nd and 2nd over to daddy's house on 42nd or 44th and 7th and uh, singing on Big's album called, a song called Play a Hater. So that's when kind of like my second like, okay, I'm into this hip hop thing. This is my thing. My brother Jax was already, you know, like my first introduction into hip hop. And so then I just started singing background for everybody like AZ and A plus. And I did something for Capone and Noriega and um, I did a remix with Common. And so, you know, Kelly Price would bring me in to what I had no idea would be my first um, uh, gig with Diddy. And that came from being at Macy's on a Friday with bags, trying to get back to Brooklyn, getting a call from um, a mutual friend that we had named Eric Payton, who said, why don't you drop by the studio? And I had no idea I would go and meet Kelly Price, who a week later, number one, she had never heard me sing, but a week later asked if I wanted to go on the No Way Out tour with Diddy. And so I just feel like if I believed then God will put the, the people in place to take me where I needed to go. And, and even though I didn't have everything I thought I needed at the time, I had will and I had, you know, a level of relentlessness. And I just figured like once I took that leap, then he would meet me on the other side with all of the players and all of the pieces that would, would um, land me here. First of all, KJ, that's an amazing story. Thanks. Second of all, I was at that No Way Out concert in Atlanta, Georgia, oh. at Phillips Arena. <laughs> so that is so. That was my first concert, actually, ever. Because I was, and I had a, and I had a bad boy necklace. I was a big bad boy fan back in the day. Like that was my people. And Lil Kim was there. That's my girl. Like it was epic. So you telling me that story is fantastic. But I wanna, I wanna hone in on something. Like so, so because I wanna take this journey on your with your career for a second of you were doing your 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 background vocals and you're going on tour you're in the studio you're doing all that stuff what happened like okay when you were like are, were you ever like i want to i want to be the be the person up front did you ever say you wanted to like i want to be like give me i want a solo deal i want to i want any of those extra things were you ever that kind of person or were you fine because i remember you mentioned earlier about like in a group group settings, you were fine, but like being singled out was not necessarily 
your thing. But like, I want to kind of unpack that in your, your during that time, where were you kind of feeling and, and how were you feeling at that time? Because everything kind of seemed to also be just kind of random, like these random opportunities kept presenting themselves. Yeah. So like what kind of kept you going and kept you motivated around that? I was always moving in tandem with the feeling of pure trepidation and the feeling of, I believe this is my assignment, right? So um, even before I got the background gig, I had been a, a man um, and a dear friend by the name of Big John Platt, um, who is head of Sony Music Publishing. At the time he was with EMI. He had come to our good friend Shelly's graduation at FAMU and all my friends were like, you know, you need to sing for John. I'm like, I'm not a clown. I'll just be singing. And he was like, well, I'll leave tomorrow. I was like, yeah, and I am telling you. And so before I knew it, he <laughs> I remember sitting at the top of the stairs in her apartment. He was at the bottom. And that is what led him to put me with my first management team, Dave um, Nelson, rest his soul, and, and Erskine Isaac. And so I was always desiring this solo career. And so even though the, the rest of my kind of internal confidence had not caught up yet, I still kept putting um, points on the board and planting seeds, even when I got the background gig. So I just figured that that would get me to a point of having just kind of impenetrable courage and confidence until I was ready for that solo career. But I had been, you know, recording um, songs uh, with different producers and um, like you know, Andy C and No ID and Dwayne Bastiani and my brother Jackson um, and Jermaine. See, it's like once you start naming, you got to name everybody. And so, um, and so I, I think that I was, it took me 10 years to believe I was good enough. So within this 10 years, I was singing background. Um, and so I think I got to a point where, you know, sometimes you can, you can stay in a space longer than God intended, right? And it, because it's comfortable. And so I was like, I have just been putting a lot of like points on the board as a background singer. And then I got, you know, to a point where I was like, okay, so now are you still learning or is this just the best way to defy the fear that you're having about being out there by yourself? And so I got to a point where the artist I was with ended up not going on the European tour that they had promised. And I didn't like the feeling of my life and my work um, and my livelihood being predicated on when someone else worked. And it didn't, I mean, and this was grand. I mean, these were, we were working, working, um, but, it, and they were, you know, notable celebrities, but it was still like, well, what happens if they never want to sing again? You know, have I spent any time developing any other muscle um, than just, helping to, to kind of push their careers and lending my vocals to them. So I think it came out of the fear of looking up at 75 and then also having, having seen um, 20 feet from stardom, you know, and, and knowing like what that feeling must've been like to, you know, really think that the people that you're surrounded by are going to, you know, be that, kind of victorious savior, you know, and, and it's not that they don't want to be. Sometimes they just don't have the tools to be. And I didn't want to put that in someone else's hands. And so I think that desire is what pushed me to then leaving the road and then going to work for Clive Davis. I really went to J Records to be the nighttime receptionist so that I could record during the day. 
And so after a couple of months, they said, well, can you work for Clive directly? I was like, oh, no, 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 no. I like my free time. I like, you know, I like to leave here at a decent hour. I didn't work until like four. I did like four to nine or five to nine. And I remember my sister, um, CJ, um, was just like, yo, I need you to rethink this. And it was no matter what area of the business I decided to venture into, the information I would get from him would be so invaluable. And so I became his assistant for about two years. Never told him that. No, never told him that I sang. Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Because I just thought it was so trite to have your assistant like come in and you know and be the singer. I just wanted him to respect me for the role first. And then I just thought maybe he would walk by the kitchen one day or as I was bringing in some tea, he would just hear my voice and be like, where have you been all my life? And Did so that happen? No. What? <laughs> you are with Clive and I would assume, I mean, the man is brilliant. Yeah. We've seen his documentary. We know the folks that he was working with. You said so much and there's so many questions I have, but one is what's the thing and the shortest version, I guess, that you could explain that people aspiring background singers or singers or performers need to know about that first gig on the road. And how did you know how much to charge? Mm. Or how were you managing your finances? Do y'all get paid once a month? Yeah. Like, how does this all work? Yeah. Um, I think because I was new to it, I at that time, to do something that I love and get paid for it, like, I'm like, just give me what you got. You know what I mean? Because now I'm traveling the world. I'm going to Australia for, you know, like one gig with Britney Spears. I am on the European tour with, you know, uh, with Puff. And it's me and Carl Thomas and Kelly Price. And so I think I just took the standard. Um, but what I understood in those times, you know, like I said, I, I don't think I told this story about Britney Spears, about how I missed the auditions. And so I would call the guy and be like, hey, you know, did you find what you were looking for? He's like, oh no, now we're in Florida. You know, we'll let you know, we'll keep you posted. And I, I made it my business. Again, going back to what other superpowers I had before people actually could hear my talent. I knew that I was tenacious. I knew that, you know, I was gonna work you. And I knew that I had this level of energy at the time that was like palpable. I called him every other day and was like, hey, I was about to get on the train. I just wanted to make sure you ain't found what you were looking for. He would fall out laughing. He was like, not yet. I'm like, cool, we'll talk later. He'll answer the phone three days later. I'll sing my intro. And then finally, after like a month, he called me and said, I've never given anyone a, a, a job like this over the phone, but it's yours if you want it. So I understood very early on what persistence will do and what a work ethic will will provide you on the road because people will take someone that can be on time someone that can take directions well um on the road before they will take someone that may be like a highly skilled singer that doesn't have the work ethic so the so, professionalism you're you think of artists musicians performers as being creative yeah but you're like these are professionalism I had to have to get me as far as I did. Yeah. And you likely learned that too. I mean, family and college and, and also a job. You had a nine to five job yeah. for a long time and then still got one. Mm -hmm. So that's incredible. I mean, that's incredible. 
I attribute Florida A&M University School of Business Professional Development for having this innate sense um, of just how to move throughout corporate America. That is solely them. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, shout out to FAMU. Yeah. And, and, and so when, when you're on this journey right now, where, what, you know, you went to college and you, what was your major in college, by the way, business, business administration. Business administration? Yeah. Okay. And shout out, cause I'm a business administration too, emphasis <laughs> in marketing. Here, here we are. And um, so you have this degree, but then you, you don't, you're, you're not using it in the, the traditional sense, right. Um, in terms of you doing your background singing and things like that. And I'm curious to know, you know, how was, what was your support looking like around that? Right. Was your how was your family and your friends and how are you, how are they helping or not helping to, to navigate that journey? Cause you were on this journey with the, in this musical career um, area. Uh, and I'm curious to know, what was that like for you? You know, it was funny. I remember calling my mom when I first got the, um, the call to go on the road with Puff. And I was like, Ma, you know, I just want to let you know that Puffy called and they want me to go on the road with them. At this point, I was working at Pfizer Pharmaceuticals. And she was like, huh, what doesn't, it doesn't sound like you're calling to, to ask, ask me. It sounds like you're calling to tell me. And she's like, what about your stock options? What about your 401k? I was like, well, Ma, I think I'm just calling to let you know that I think I'm going to go. I was, I was watching my words. I'm like, I'm already vested. I'm good on the option part. Benefits, I can get, you know, another job, but I at least need to try this. So I think because, you know, growing, growing up in Chicago, it's a very kind of pragmatic spirit. Um, and so the ones that you see that kind of go outside of the, the conventional uh, trajectory, you're just like, oh my God, you know? And so I was the first in my family. And so I think it made way, you know, for my brother, who is also an artist and a professional, and then my sister, who, you know, is a dancer and then ended up moving to London. And so I think like I had kind of like broken them down, you know, but friends always supportive, like my my fam, you BFFs, my NYC BFFs, um, who would come to every open mic uh, that I would do, you know, shout out to Pfizer for just I think they don't know that they allowed me to go on the tour because I said I needed to take um, a family leave, but it was Puff Daddy and the family. But um, (laughs) 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 that that counts. That counts totally. (laughs) And I came after the tour. It was like two to three months I came back because I was still like nervous. Like, okay, at least I still got my job. I had not gotten to a point where I could fully take this leap of faith. And I got finally to um, a space where I was like, you're not giving 100% to any one endeavor, but you're expecting to see 100% results. And then that's when I finally left. And you did that. And what's so funny about this, I'm laughing that your mom is obviously like, she's about her business. And are you, the, you're the oldest of yeah. the of the kids? Mm-hmm. And she's looking at you to set the examples for the two younger ones. And you've yeah. gone out there and got them into the artist world and performing. She had to be like, now, wait a minute. <laughs> Thanks. Oh, so talk about this. Okay. So you're back, you're doing your corporate thing with Clive and mm-hmm. I'm sure you, you learn more than you could possibly imagine. Yeah. And then how do you get from Clive to being, this perform and how did you know that was a job performance artist development training 
talk to us about that. It was a light bulb moment. What happened? Yeah, I was working um, at J Records. And at some point, a woman by the name of Carolyn Williams. And so here's a funny thing. Like, I was still on my lunch, like, going to different A&Rs. It was like Larry Jackson, like Peter Edge, uh, John Amon. They were all at uh, J Records. And I remember, like, having shows and inviting them. And then on my lunch, taking my music into them. And, and so Carolyn called and said, we have an artist that we want you to work with. And... Um, you know, because we want you, we love your stage presence. And then the funny thing was like to get a call that you think is going to be about getting you signed, but it's actually not like they don't really care about, about your music, but they love the way you perform. And so I was like, okay, I'll come and help with stage presence. And I think in that moment, I had to make sure that I wasn't doing this in lieu of something else not working because then you just become kind of like this bitter coach, you know, in this new space. And I was like, well, this is just a natural progression. It doesn't mean that I can't still be a singer. Um, it just means now kind of take this thing that you have that people seem to gravitate to and help pour into other people. So she was probably the first one to give me a job to help me understand this was another job, you know? And so it was like, I decided I'm going to have this stage consultancy. So then I started having all these young artists um, emerging artist, but it was never, it was never clear enough to exist on its own. Right. It was never like, you know, it, it never gave me like the value that I needed to leave my nine to five. So I was like living this double life as a performance director on the weekends. And then as you know, this, um, uh, this corporate kind of employee. And so then I remember leaving Clive to go back on the road with Janet Jackson. Um, and then when that ended, I was like, okay, well, let me get a, uh, a quick temp job. That temp job happened to be at Sundance channel. And I know I'm like all over the place. So I'm in original programming at Sundance, but they, uh, you know, Sarah Barnett, who was our president, um, and Larry Adam and, and, and Rob, Robert, um, was they really kind of, I think, fostered this um, environment that allowed you to also seek your passion in the midst of working your nine to five. So I never had to hide this other part of me. Um, and so I remember like seeing Robert Redford in the halls and and telling him, you know, these these goals that I had. Hey there. Ever thought about what makes your heart beat a little faster? Oh, you mean like when you discover a new track that just speaks to you? Yeah. Or finding a movie that you can't stop thinking about? Well, get ready to feel that excitement all over again because Amazon Prime is here to take your entertainment and shopping experience to the next level. Absolutely. Prime isn't just about getting your packages quicker. It's about diving into a world of endless possibilities, from the latest releases to exclusive content you won't find anywhere else. And don't even get me started on the music. Prime offers concert specials that will transport you right to the front room. It's like being at the hottest gigs without leaving your living room. I use Prime to tap in with some of my favorite artists' live shows from any and every genre of music. Trust me, Prime is a game changer. It's like having a personalized superstore and entertainment hub right at your fingertips. So why wait? Head over to Amazon.com forward slash Prime and start experiencing entertainment like never before. As a musician and... And before I knew it, I was singing at the Sundance Film Festival at the Sundance House. And so it was like, 
this thing was like brewing. And then, you know, most of the, um, the I would say the presidents and, and chairman of the companies were also these artists. So for every big conference, all company conference we would have, they would recruit me to do something creative and then they would be acting in it as well. So it just um, kind of, it made them very familiar um, with this kind of like double noted kind of presence that I had. And so I remember getting a call from my soror and president of Tridestin Studios um, to come and sing in a film here in LA. And, you know, I came and it was the first time I was like, there might be something here for me. Like I've been visiting a few other times, but it just didn't hit me. Like it did. What was the time frame that passed between that? Like you, it, you finally, it finally clicking. Yeah. Like, wait a minute, this is a thing. This is a business. Um, I, it's funny. I still didn't, it was a business, but it was still a side business. So I think it clicked when I came here for a month to sing in a film. And then I was like, I should be in LA. And I went back, told my bosses at Sundance at this point, I'm with, um, IFC in sales, um, Alan Klein. And I was like, Hey, I think I should go to LA for a month and just explore and see you know, what that's about. And he was like, what do you want us to do with the job? And I was like, okay, you can just hold it. And he was like, well, yeah, we can't let you sit in that seat knowing all of the potential that you have. And so that was helpful being, you know, vocal about this other love that I had. And so I ended up coming to LA for that month. Maybe I had three meetings scheduled, but by the time I left, I had like 10 I felt like I had obliterated the streets. New York had given me the armor. It put chest on my, I mean, hair on my chest. And when I came here, I was like, I am not asking permission to do anything. I'm supposed to be here. And then I eventually moved 2015. So we're talking maybe like it's from side business in like 2000, from 2005 to maybe 2000, no, from 2010 to 2015, maybe side business. And then moving to LA and um, getting a call from Disney. To be, so that was like one of the meetings I took, you know, sitting in, um, you know, a coffee shop and, and then, you know, having conversations with people led to a meeting at Disney and then a, a meeting at Nickelodeon. So I ended up on set as a performance director, performance coach at that time for Bizarre Vark and Olivia Rodrigo was in that. So then it was like, oh, this is a thing. I can make sense in more spaces. So it did take a few years to fully show up in that and because nobody really understood what that was, right? So the coaches that were the most identifiable were the acting coach, the vocal coach, the choreographers. I'd say vocal coaches deal with the instrument, I deal with the behavior. You know, the acting coach deal, they deal with the character and how do you show up as that character? The choreographer gives you the eight counts, but then I make the eight counts count. So my job was to help you in a different way, right? And so, so it was a lot of informing people of what I did and then inserting myself into it. And I remember, so I, do you remember how we met, KJ? Because I'm going I'm to quiz you for yes. a second. On the lot. Yes. <laughs> and Ingrid, Ingrid Lawrence introduced us yep. on the lot. I remember I was going to get coffee. And Ingrid, I ran into Ingrid, like, you need to meet my friend KJ. And I was like, okay. And then I just remember just, this, again, this energy, this burst of energy. And we we ended up getting together and I'm hearing more about you. Yeah. And the next thing I know, I feel like 
you were like, I just started seeing you everywhere. Like, literally, we were just, like, running each other randomly. And then next thing I know is, like, insert Lil Nas X. I'm like, wait, this is, like, all just, like. By the way, I heard about you for years. As John is running into you, he's literally like, Didi, you have to meet KJ. Like, you literally have to meet KJ. And then come to find out we know a bunch of other people. It's crazy. No, but so I just, I just, I, I say that because you, you have such a fascinating story and it's so, it's just so amazing. But my question for you is with, with all this hard work you're, you're doing and, and the intention that you have with the work, I want to talk about like, how do you protect yourself? Right? Like mentally, physically, like you're, you're exerting so much in your, in your day-to-day energy. Uh, I want to know, like, what are your tools that you use to when it's when it's quiet time, when it's shut off time, when it's when that time is, you know, to just to stop it all. Yeah. How are you processing that? How are you handling that? Because I think, I think as we all are in this business, sometimes it's hard to say no. It's hard to turn things off. Yeah. Uh, and I'm very curious around again with something that requires so much in a, a different tool that we use in a different way. How do you how do you manage that? I'm still learning, so I will take any and all you know, kind of like recipes to do it better, you know, because I feel like what I do is, is heart work and it's spirit work. You know, it's, it's helping you understand the internal narrative before we ever see the external expression, which means that it's an emotional contract. Um, and I think the part that I'm still learning in terms of like guarding my heart um, is understanding that the work I do is like perpetual, I am perpetually engaging and then disengaging, right? And so it's like the work requires me to be all in, um, but finding a balance in that all in, but also when it's time for them to disengage, because I don't create a business that requires you to need me forever. You know, it's like, I need to see you get in flight to know that the work is working. Um, and so I think God is still dealing with me in that. Um, I don't know quite how to get in the car and just roll over to the next assignment like Della Reese, you know what I mean? When it's over, when you have been touched by the rose effect, I don't know how to just get in the car and keep going. I'm still like, but wait. And so um, I am learning that. Uh, I don't know how to insert quiet time. I think that quiet time like pounces on me and then I'm trying to figure out what I'm supposed to do with that. Um, in fact, just now, like I, I feel like I have, I have been encountering a, a week full of false starts, you know, where it seemed like it was going to be something. And then it was like, no, that's okay. And then I'm just like, oh my God. And so I, I went hiking yesterday and I said, you know, it's not, it's not a testament to the armor that you have and the faith that you have when everybody's calling. It's really like, how much do you see yourself when nobody's looking for you? And what does that armor look like um, when it's quiet and and what do you do with that? And so I am still being, um, you know, I think that's still being cultivated in my life. And, And so I've learned to serve through it, you know, like, it takes the, the pressure off of the feeling I have of, of trying to hold on to something that was probably never meant to be an assignment, you know, but as an entrepreneur, sometimes you like, you just want to say yes to everything because you don't know when you'll happen upon another quiet moment. But 
I think that sometimes when God believes that my investment, maybe in a client or in someone else becomes at the expense of myself, he immediately yanks me back. It don't feel good. <laughs> no, but it's the lesson that you need. And I think what I also, and why part of the reason, of course, you're such a bright light, you're shining out, but you're radiating in too. And it's not everybody can do that. They Sometimes they radiate out, but then you get a peek in those eyes and you're mm -hmm. like, there's a black soul <laughs> back there. But when, which means you're super intuitive and super sensitive, mm. I think, mm -hmm. to people because you're, you know how to draw things out of them that they don't see in themselves. And I'm curious to know, A, that must be something you've obviously honed over the years. So maybe you were like that as being the oldest and manage, I'm the oldest. I feel like I'm yeah. sensitive <laughs> right. people and energies, but I would love to know what are you looking at or what is it when you first meet someone, you're like, okay, I know that inside this person can do this. They're tailored because everybody's not going to perform like little Nas X. No. So what are you doing to get that, to extract, ex extract their best performances? Yeah. What's that process? Um, first off, it's, it's walking in and, and quickly disarmoring, you know, the artist, because most times if I show up and it wasn't their idea, then they think that something's wrong. So very quickly, I'm like, Hey, I am not here to give you anything that you don't already possess. My job is to irritate and agitate areas that merely have been lying dormant. Like you might have potential that you not even tapped into yet. That's my job. Who needs an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and a breakfast cutoff? Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Right? You would have to go to another specialist for me to give you something that you don't already have. And so um, I think that that quickly kind of like disarms, you know, people. And, and I don't judge the art. You know, there have been some... Sometimes that, you know, my rappers would be saying some things. And I'd be like, what? Have you heard anybody? You know, you love people, right? Okay. And so I, I didn't understand right away. And I, I never feel like, you know, they're just clients. I do believe that everyone that I am um, blessed to encounter has been assigned to me. And so going in with that as the mindset makes it less about you're just another client, you know, and I don't, the only person that's going to do and, and move like Lil Nas was Lil Nas. That's specific to him. Right. And so my job is now when you come in, I want to, I want to push you beyond your perceived capacity, right? You may not be this kind of like full out, you know, person in terms of like how you move on stage, but I want you to believe what you're saying. So my job is to strip you of everything that has given you validation and comfort. And then let's rebuild from the bottom up so that we can actually see if what you're saying is what you want to say, you know, cause we get caught in the cadence, we get caught in the rhythm. Um, and I want to know who they are and I share my story. Um, and I'm vulnerable before I can ask them to be vulnerable, you know? And so I think as much as I was like, Lord, I thought I was going to be a singer for the rest of my life. What are we doing? None of that went to waste. It all counted 
because now I'm, I'm not coaching from what I've heard. I'm coaching from what I experienced. I can't tell you how it feels to be in front of thousands at the Grammys if I've never done it, you know? Um, and so I can't tell you how it feels to be on set when everybody's looking at you and everybody's got an opinion, you know, and, and you feel otherwise, you know? And so I believe that there is a sensibility that has come along with being prepared for this specific assignment as a performance director. And as a, as a performance director too, KJ, it's, and again, I just find this so fascinating because I think that is something that is very new to me. And I think you are really someone that's shed a lot of color and light into that world mm -hmm. um, through our conversations and through this conversation, obviously as well. But for, for our listeners who, who are like, wow, this could, I, I'm really connecting and I'm really relating to what KJ is saying. I want to like really uh, hone in on like this, this skill set here, right? Like what are, like for people who, who are listening and like, oh my God, I love what she's saying. I could probably do this. Like, what do you feel like are like your top three tools that kind of really help you be successful in this in this in this industry in this specific role that you're in right now like what do you think are those like more like things that people can kind of like start to hone in on and start to polish a little bit that yeah. that i could i could do this and i could really make a make an impact um i would say you know it's hard because we think that we're often present even when we're just like physically present but that's mm. not all the time that's not really presence and mm -hmm. so I would say, you know, and I'm learning, I've just, you know, gotten better at being present um, and taking ego out of the job, right? Because I've gotten clients that be like, you know, I don't really, I don't really rehearse like that. I don't know why I'm here. You know, I don't really need you like that. And so ego for me is like, well, cool. I need to do some things anyway. But because I know that this is bigger than me and then I've been put in this position to serve and I, I think that would be like number two, like understand um, that you are a vessel and that you are serving and in that you have to take ego out of it. And so I, you know, so then the KJ shows up and be like, that's cool. I get it. I understand how that feels. I know you weren't expecting me. And then I go straight to the receipts and I'm like, well, here's the thing. I saw you at your show. Um, and at two minutes and 37 seconds, it looked like you might've checked out. Now, if you checked out on purpose, then cool. That's a different type of coaching. But if you didn't know you checked out, let's just go on and get something in, get some time in. And he was like, I mean, I guess we could work on the second verse. Cool. I'll take what I can get. You know what I'm saying? So I abandon. it's always being prepared to abandon your lesson plan, right? Because this is spirit and heart work, I have no idea what call you took before you got to me, you know? And so sometimes I'm privy to it because I may be in the car with the artist, um, um, like a little Nas, and I know kind of like what he's encountering on a daily basis. And it makes the way I approach different, less about me and more about how can I add value in this day. And then the other thing, um, I think lastly, it would be to um, uh, to help honor the strengths that they have, not the strengths that I want them to have. You know what I mean? And so that's how you get them to start walking on their own. Like I, there's not a dependency that um, I want to happen here. It is 
I am just here to allow you to harness my level of energy and confidence until you can stand on your own and believe on your own, right? But you can't harness it forever. I mean, like I can't survive with us sharing it, but I just want to know, I want to share with you what is possible when you actually believe in a way that's impenetrable, believe in a way that, and it's really about helping them to believe their stories, you know? So I tell my story so that you can know that there's also value and credence in, in your story. And then once that, once they believe in that story and that, that they don't tell it in a way that it can be hijackable, Lil Nas's story is no longer hijackable. You know what I'm saying? I don't care how many other, you know, um, artists come from Atlanta that, you know, have always desired to, you know, live and show up um, as a queer and powerful um, person and have this existence. It'll never be his story, you know? And so it is, it's getting to a point that you can, even the unresolved parts of you. And so it's setting the atmosphere. I used to pray in every room before the artist got there, you know? Um, and so it's setting the atmosphere that they can be as creative and as vulnerable as they desire to be. And that's really my, that's my role in it. KJ, well, we love hearing part of your story. We know there's so much more I'm like, I want to ask her this. I want to ask her that. But what I will ask you as, because we can have conversation or part two. Yeah. What I will ask you is, what are you excited about? What can we look forward to from the fabulous KJ Rose this year? Yeah. What can we help you with? And yeah. where can people find you on social media? I am excited about, um, uh, well, number one, I just did, um, a metaverse experience with Roblox, Sweetie, first and foremost, with Sweetie and Roblox and um, Intuit and GameFam. Uh, and I just love working, number one, in the metaverse. I love that I can now put on my resume, not only do I work with humans, but I work with avatars, you know? And so I love creating kind of immersive experiences um, for audiences and working with artists to be able to see themselves in a different realm. Um, and as Sweetie put it, like creating this global fan village. So, you know, shout out to her and, and for allowing me to be a part of her Super Bowl experience. Um, I'm also excited about, just gonna keep saying this until I start writing it, um, a one woman show. Um, because I think that I just don't want people to reinvent the wheel. Like the book was meant, um, it wasn't because I felt like, you know, I had all these experiences to share. I didn't want people to have to um, go through things if I already had my own playbook. You know what I mean? Like I wanted them to be able to say, got that, okay, I won't do that. You know, so that was the point of that um, initially. And I would say, um, what else am I excited about? I just, every time I think that I got it figured out, God like shows me something new. And so I am, I have no idea what's ahead. Um, I just try to stay open and, um, and eager. And so um, people can find me on um, IG at KJ Rose Effect, uh, Facebook, Kiana Henson, um, LinkedIn, Kiana, KJ Rose Henson, Twitter, KJ Rose. Um, 
and uh, TikTok, Rose Effect 20. I'm excited that I get to talk to y'all. I'm excited for this to come out. I'm excited. <laughs> yes. It, it inspires things. And KJ, we know you, we we love you, and you, we you know I I've been literally over here taking notes because <laughs> you just said so. I I love just hearing your journey because also I, I this podcast is such a uh, it's our love letter to Didi and I, but it's also like kind of like school for us too. Like we've been learning so much about people's journeys yeah. and about people's yeah. the ups and downs, the pivots, just the uh, the keep going, like just all these things. And in each episode, it's like, dang, I didn't ever think about it that way. And it's like it is, and it's so it's so interesting and it's so fulfilling. We love you, and we so appreciate you for taking time to join us today. Um, and again, just so so many great gems and just a great story. It's a great narrative. And we look forward to continuing to, to support you, to celebrate you, to root you on and all that you do. You know, you got two friends and allies and advocates in Didi and I, Didi, Didi and I. And so we, we cannot wait to see what happens next. The KJ Rose fan club. Number one. Oh, you guys bring energy like that is. I just, I hope that I just continue to reflect the people that God, you know, put around me. So thank you. Knowing, just know that um, just your presence in my life and just you wanting to hear my story. It's like, it, it matters. You know, I'm in a position where it's I'm important. not necessarily on the forefront um, and I'm okay. I understand like the assignment that I've been given, but it does feel good to have moments to talk about it, you know, and to share with other people because I love the work. I love that I get to do this every day. Um, and so I appreciate you guys for seeing it and, and believing in it. Thank you, well, Thank KJ. you so much. We appreciate you. Thank you. We love you. Wait a minute. See you guys next time. I do my, my love letter Wait. to Black Entertainment. I was ready. Ah! <laughs> oh, come on. Wait, hold on there. Hold on. Hold on. Let's do it then. Um, I will prompt you, and then you can just go ahead and say it. So, KJ, Black on the Scene is, is Didi and I's love letter to the Black entertainment industry, and we, we would love to hear what your love letter to this wonderful industry is. Okay. <clears throat> Dear Black Entertainment, I love you with all my heart. You are a source that brought me closer to the source. Thank you for seeing me and thank you for the armor that you've inspired to find in the quiet moments. We will blossom together and we will challenge one another. And if either of us should run ahead, I pray that we never let go. Love, KJ. Rose. KJ! <laughs> That's the best one we've ever had. No shade on anyone else, but literally. <laughs> well first of all no one's ever written it before and like really like that was so good oh my god i had chills thank you oh my goodness this just lit, it lit me up hey there ever thought about what makes your heart beat a little faster oh you mean like when you discover a new track that just speaks to you yeah or finding a movie that you can't stop thinking about well, get ready to feel that excitement all over again because Amazon Prime is here to take your entertainment and shopping experience to the next level. Absolutely. Prime isn't just about getting your packages quicker. It's about diving into a world of endless possibilities, from the latest releases to exclusive content you won't find anywhere else. And don't even get me started on the music. 
time offers concert specials that will transport you right to the front room. It's like being at the hottest gigs without leaving your living room. I use Prime to tap in with some of my favorite artists' live shows from any and every genre of music. Trust me, Prime is a game changer. It's like having a personalized superstore and entertainment hub right at your fingertips. So why wait? Head over to Amazon.com forward slash Prime and start experiencing entertainment like never before.